Hi, I'm uh, Brandon McDonald, CEO of Fireweed Zinc. Happy to be here for SF Live episode 249 with uh, my good friend Kai Hoffman, proud owner of Fireweed Zinc shares. Yes, we do have a small conflict. Soar Financial owns shares. And uh, Brandon, thanks for the intro. Thanks. Best one we've had so far, I think, on the program. So thanks so much for that. Uh, welcome on the program. It's good to have you back on. Great chatting with you. Yeah, it's good to be uh, on. You, you've, you've had a busy week, actually. Uh, just announced a $10 million financing. We want to catch up on that. But I think before we start doing that, you put out some drill results just a week prior to that. Why don't we start with those? Yeah, yeah look, it was the last uh, drill holes of the year. Uh, amazingly in March, <laughs> right? So, you know, these drill holes that were submitted and sent to the lab in October and were finally delivered in March, uh, both in, in the boundary, boundary west area, right? So a whole 10, uh, technical success, I guess, uh, but whole nine looked pretty, pretty healthy is a, is a good step out on boundary west and showing some continuity there. Um, so we're, you know, very happy with this, more continued success and exploration in that area. Um, and now it's, you know, onward and upward. We've got uh, the last of the data from last year, um can start planning in detail this year and great to have the money to do it yeah why did you recap last year just for a second for us here it's like last drill holes just came out but uh, what did the entire program or en entail and uh, like how would you rank that the success of the program as well and and then we can talk next steps of course yeah look the the big thrust of last year you know 2021's program was continued drilling at boundary and boundary west the big question that was hanging in the air from, from 2020 was what's the continuity of Boundary West, which was discovered in 2020. Uh, so first that this massive sulfide horizon, which was the most interesting part to come under 2020, uh, Boundary West, we you know hit not only continuity there, um, but we hit increasing grades as we went to depth, You know, sort of going from uh, about 5% at the very, very top uh, zinc, uh, you know, then kind of grading to to seven percent uh, ish at the end of 2020, and then all the way to 10 percent zinc in the lower parts of that that horizon. It's a very continuous, very high grade horizon. But the big surprise of uh, 2021, um, and we love good surprises, was that we hit another horizon that sat stratigraphically above that massive sulfide horizon in Boundary West. And this horizon is, uh, whereas the, the main massive sulfide horizon, as we call it at Boundary West, is pyrite, sphalerite dominated, um, um, texturally completely blown out. Um, the, this new horizon we hit, very high grade, uh, sort of 23% plus zinc um, and a good lead and silver kicker on that. Uh, and, and really looks a lot more like Tom and Jason in terms of that finely banded barite shale hosted. So this is not something we had seen at Boundary West or Boundary really period, although we'd seen, I guess, tiny little intervals of it uh, above the massive sulfide horizon in some places. Um, so it was very exciting, right? So this is, you know, this Boundary, Boundary West broader area seems to keep on giving and giving and giving. Fantastic. All right. So... You just raised a bunch of money, and we and I'm going to get to like the, how are you going to follow up on all this? Like, what 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 is the end goal here? Because um, me as a shareholder, I want to see some like re you reaching some KPIs for me, meaning I want to see some studies, like meaning a resource come out uh, or even a PEA, right? So um, you raised ten million dollars on top of the five million you just recently raised. So how are you going to spend that money? And we're going to get to like details of the financing in a second as well. Sure. So look, why two raises? Um, 
the, the first 5 million raise was never really meant to be, that could have financed the full summer program this year. It just would have been a, obviously much reduced summer program, but really that was, we took a look at the, uh, I would say landscape of, of contractor and drill availability this coming year, certainly following on last year where it was very difficult to secure people. And, you know, my, my vice president explorations, Gilles Desiro was saying like, you know, if I don't have a budget, I can't secure drills. So we raised that 5 million to give him the ability to go out and get that RFP out as soon as possible and lock down drills, which he's done. Um, you know, if we'd left that till now, you know, who knows, right? So that was a big question, you know, so how much more money do we raise was like, okay, well, how many drills do we have available to us? And what do we think we reasonably can accomplish within the scope of like, personnel drill availability permit, you know, in terms of how many people we can have in camp. Um, so, you know, we thought, okay, so there's, there's quite a bit more that we think we could get done. Um, do we want to dilute to get this done? And, and so there was a pretty detailed exercise internally looking at sort of, you know, thumb suck numbers. I mean, tighter than a thumb suck, but you know, this is still very broad, like of our, our, our feeling, okay, these various targets we have or, or various, you know, areas that we can focus dollars, what's the bang for the buck there? How much NPV on that, you know, upcoming PEA, which we hope to publish, you know, probably mid to late next year, how much NPV do I get per dollar spent? You know, so fireweed's valued now, it depends on how much of the improvements already you bake into, um, you know, our current valuation, but, but it's something like, one to 10 or one to 15 in terms of market cap to, to MPV ratio, right? So you're trying to get something that delivers more MPV than that. You wouldn't spend a dollar to get $5 in MPV, for example, with this sort of valuation we have now, that would be dilutive and, and nonsensical. Um, but, you know, we were looking at opportunities that kind of could deliver a one to 50 ratio. You know, if I spend another million bucks on this target, I think I'm going to get 50 million on the NPV. That's, that's, pretty good. Right. And, and that's, that's not so dilutive. That's really accretive in terms of delivering value next year. So we prioritize these targets in terms of, you know, bang for the buck, uh, logistical ease, geological risk, et cetera. Um, and have a pretty good sense of what we're going to set out to accomplish this summer. So, you know, could I have gone to a, you know, a, a brokered or non-brokered finance and, and just pounded the pavement to get this done and, you know, raised a bunch of money, maybe from some flow through funds or something like that. Yes. But we, thankfully we didn't have to. So we had the benefit of, uh, you know, not just Ibera, our, our biggest shareholder. I, 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 Brent, you know, I was going to stop fund. you there. I want to get to that in a second, because yeah. I want to stay sure, on, sure, on sure. track of the expiration program real quick before we get to the details of the financing. Um, cause I want to get some names from you, like project names, like where are you going to spend the majority of the money this year to get that one to 50 return? Like, I want to follow up on that while we're on it before I forget about to ask, uh, later on, sure. like, where, where are you going to get that multiplier? Uh, and where are you going to spend the $15 million this year? Like, where are you going to be spending the majority of the funds? Yeah, like the 15 million bucks is, is not all going to be plowed into the ground this summer. Right. So I would, I would guess about eight to 10 of it is with, with the balance being to cover GNA and studies to the delivery of the resource update and, and PEA. Um, but it's not all going to be boundary and boundary West drilling. We need a maiden resource on those and there's drilling left to do to get that. Uh, but you'd be surprised that there, there's opportunities at Tom and Jason that, that still have, a, a lot of, you know, torque in them, right? That you can spend a little bit of dollars and get a lot of value. And I think maybe, you know, we've spent so much time focused on the exploration and the, the sort of West central part of the property at Boundary, Boundary West and area. Um, and, you know, we've, we've 
been neglecting perhaps Tom and Jason, um, but people shouldn't sleep on those. You know, those, those two deposits uh, have a tremendous amount of potential left. You know, it's one of the things that, that the year before last, we had some site visitors and, you know, they came away and we kind of asked them, so what do you think? And, you know, they said, the boundary seems, you know, super interesting, but we had no idea there was so much potential left at Tom and Jason, right? So, so this is something that I'm encouraging people to, to give good thought to. This is not just about Boundary and Boundary West, which will obviously be a step change in the size and economics of the project, but it's also about optimizing, improving, and growing uh, Tom and Jason. I got to ask now with 15 million in bank, have you considered setting up more of a permanent camp so you can keep news flow going, drilling over the winter? Because I know news flow has been a bit of an issue, especially with the lab delays. Yeah, you know, we have a permit to drill basically from Feb to the end of November. Um, so we could do a shutdown over Christmas, kind of January and start again. But what we realized is that we've got a big enough camp now that we can run four drills um, and we can pretty much tap out our budget within summer with those four drills. So running into winter and having to uh, accept all the cost inflation that comes with that um, is a tough pill to swallow. So it was something we looked very close at. It's okay, well, what happens if we winterize camp? What happens if we, you know, do this and this and that and, and, and you know, secure drills over the entire 12 months? Um, and it just never seemed to quite be worth it. Um, you know, looking forward, I would think for maybe an infill program, you know, when you're, when a comes time to to really drill the the heck out of this for for a pfs um yeah that might be sensible right and you might get access to to um better drill rates as well if you're locking them down for the full 12 months um but for this with the with the budget that we have available to us in this market it, it made more sense just to like pack it into a shorter period of time fewer drills and, and just get her done Let's, let's, let's circle back to the financing now. Uh, I, I stopped you there before you got into the details. So you're raising close to $10 million, but it's pretty much from yeah. three investors only. It's not a widely marketed financing. You haven't really sent out sub-agreements to a million people just to, to as, as you said earlier, pound the pavement pretty much, right? Yeah. Um, give us the yeah. details there. Yeah, so look, this this was three groups that that is somewhat simultaneously expressed an interest in, in um, investing. Um, so, like I said, Ibera, our biggest uh, shareholder, a you know PE fund out of Australia, a big high net worth um, out of uh, the US, um, and tech, right? And so, you know, we took a look at the quality of these investors, as sticky money as you can get, right? So between between the three of them, and with the leverage you get on some charity flow through, about ten million bucks. Um, probably gonna gonna wedge in some more investors as well. Uh, management and a few other close people. Um, so, you know, certainly keep an eye open for, for an upsize, but um, you know, we wanted to open the book to say to basically let everyone know that, Hey, we got 10 million without, you know, any marketing phone calls. So that's, it, that's, it's such a strong endorsement for them. And, and, it, and no and warrants such... either. Sorry for jumping in, but no warrants either. Right. Yeah. Well, and a, and a two cent discount, right. Which is, you know, like 3% or something like that. So a 3% discount with no warrants is, is, you know, that's, that's the best financing terms you're going to get. Right. So um, that's, and it's as much a show of force. Look, if I had done 65 cents instead of 70, I would have been upsized more. Uh, And that's, you know, that's good. You know, it's nice to have money, but it's also nice to remind the market 
the position of strength you might be in and, and the caliber of investors you can have and the, and the endorsement that comes from them not accepting uh, or, or, or accepting terms that aren't, you know, sort of punitive. Um, you know, we, we issued warrants for financings in 2020 because the, the sky was falling, uh, at least it seemed to be at the time. Um, but, you know, we haven't issued them before. We haven't issued them since. And, you know, we, we hope to continue that. Fantastic. Uh, tech is actually increasing their position as well. They went from five to almost 9.9 now. Is that correct? Yeah, they'll be up to uh, 9.4%, I believe. So that, that's a, you know, that's a big endorsement for them, you know, 3 million bucks. Yeah, no, I think tech is giving a thumbs up. That's what I'm calling the video, I think, uh, as well. Like tech is validating yeah. this project, right? Uh, that that yeah, means a no, lot. Absolutely. So uh, how, how strong is that relationship with tech? Like they're they going, them going to 9.4%, like you have a technical like uh, information sharing agreement with them or like what's the relationship? Uh, it's a good relationship. Look, you know, it, it helps that it's a two minute walk out my door uh, to their office and, and vice versa. That hasn't mattered the last two years because their office has been shut and largely so has ours. Um, but it's helped, you know, when we first first discovered Boundary West and, and even Boundary for that matter, you know, we took it to them and we're like, does this like, th we think this looks like Red Dog, but we've never been to Red Dog. And I want to be abundantly clear to people who are watching this. I'm not claiming Red Dog is a, a freak of nature beast, that, that whole district. We're not claiming something that's the size or, or uh, you know, scale that, that, that Red Dog is, but it was like a textural sort of uh, genetic relationship, right? And, and so to be able to go to their geologists and say, like, are we crazy? Like, does this look like that? And you know, you're met with the initial cynicism and then they look at the coin like, no, it does. This actually reminds them a lot of certain aspects of that, right? So then being able to get that wisdom of, of what worked for them there, um, and you know, what their understanding of that geological process is, it helps guide us. Right. So that's been a really beneficial relationship to, to have someone, you know, that you can kind of call on and, and ask those questions for sure. I, I got to ask a cheeky question. Cause I went through your slide deck just now and I have it open here on slide seven. It's the McMillan pass yeah. location and infrastructure. And you do include the tech smelter in, in, in Southern BC in there. Is there, are you yeah. trying to tell us something or what, it, what, it, why is it <laughs> well, <in there? laughs> that, that's, you know, look, there's don't, don't read too much into that. Right. Like it, what the key thing is, is that we have, we have more homes for the, uh, the concentrate than just sending it to Skagway or Stewart and then out to Asia. Right. So, um, you know, key message there is we could also send it to Northern BC and, and, you know, put it on rail if it's a sort of multimodal, um, you know, con, uh, containers and, and send it to trail. Okay, right. So the, there are there are opportunities definitely to 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 seek a, a better bargain um, by having more counterparties. Fair enough. You, you you mentioned you opened the door, the Pandora's box here for me to ask that question, but you said you're over upsizing the financing. Um, so I want yeah. to ask like zinc. Okay, you, zinc is trading. It feels like at all all time highs, but your stock is sort of like meh. Like you're trading seventy cents. You're doing a very strong financing, but the market still hasn't reacted to it. Right. So, a, how do we get zinc, or how do we make zinc sexy again? And b, like, what is the feedback from the market on a zinc story like yours? Look, I, I think that oh, look, the zinc producers aren't necessarily even doing terribly well. A, a lot of the producers, whether they're senior, junior, mid-tier producers of most base metals, are priced like this is a very short-lived situation. Right. That 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 zinc is high because uh, you know, there, there's European smelters getting squeezed because they can't get, you know, they are getting shut down uh, because they can't get their sheep brush and gas. 
right? So that's driving the zinc price up, although not having the impact on, on treatment charges you think it might. So it's a great time to be a zinc miner. So I think a lot of investors are pricing these companies like this is a temporary solution. Now, I would suggest people consider the, the geopolitics of Europe and ask themselves whether, you know, next year Russia's gas is just flowing freely again, <laughs> you know, like nothing ever happened, right? So I don't think that's happening. I don't think this is a short-lived situation uh, in zinc or any of the base metals. Um, and it was not something I predicted, right? So uh, I kind of thought this year would soften a bit for zinc, still bullish on the medium and long term. But my short term was like, okay, well, this is kind of blown out of proportion. We'll, we'll see some softening once once the gas, you know, pipes, you know, resume. Um, so, you know, do investors eventually clue in? I don't know. And you've got the other problem is, is that we're we're in a bit of this, this geopolitical chaos makes investors nervous, right? I think there's a lot of chatter and amongst the broader um, non-specialist investors, the ones who aren't, you know, don't, don't live and die by their junior mining investments about the need to, to rotate into commodities. I think that's a real narrative that's emerging, but it's very hard to like pile into a narrative when you, when you think that the, the sky is falling, right? When you think that there's you know, anything can happen in, in terms of inflation and, and, you know, Armageddon, right? So uh, you understand why investors might be a little anxious to pile into the new narrative right now. But I, but I think that hesitation is just everyone, you know, every investor looking at the other investors at the starting line, like nobody wanting to blink first. But as soon as it happens, it's going to happen rapidly. There is a tremendous amount of funds under management out there. Uh, that are about to realize they're in they're in extremely underperforming tech plays, uh, that they're in all these other dogs that are giving them no yield, and they're going to go pile into the commodities, and, and it's it's going to be one hell of a run, right? So so for us, like this is positioning ourselves. We're we're going to carry a heck of a lot of momentum into that situation, and uh, we're going to you know as I said on a a, a thing you know a, a video call last week, it's. When we're not a junior with a zinc project, we're a junior with the zinc project. It, it, it is the best held by juniors. It's, it's arguably among the very best that's undeveloped period, whether held by a major mid-tier or junior. Um, so we feel very confident that when that you know broader retail interest shifts to commodities and, and people start thinking about allocations into zinc, which is still a future-facing metal, um, that, that we're gonna benefit immensely. You, you mentioned momentum. I think that's sort of my closing question as well. Like, how are you going to keep momentum going now once you close the financing? Are we going to see any surprises in in in, in the book besides, of course, Tech and Ibarra? Uh, any other surprises or like what when what is Newsflow looking like once you close the financing? Well, like the benefit is that this is you know late uh, March, so uh, the Newsflow for summer cranks up pretty quickly. As always, I have a few surprises yet, which uh, you know um, I have to be quiet about, but. Um, there's, it's going to be a big, big 12 to 18 months for us, right? You're talking multiple studies, you know, you're talking about a complete game-changing uh, PEA. And, and I've, I've said this repeatedly, and I'll say it again, people are not anticipating what we're going to deliver. It's very much going to be different than, than what people are thinking. This is going to be a, a very robust, massive project. Um, and we're very excited about getting that out there. You know, normally you kind of get anxious about like, Oh, do I, do I want to wrap numbers on something that people already understand? 
And I've always kind of felt that, well, you know, studies are best when, when the outcome surprises people. If it meets expectations, it's probably a selling event. Certainly when we're priced now at 70 cents, nobody, people are not anticipating what we're about to deliver. Fantastic. Brandon, amazing closing remarks. Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and to giving us the update. Congrats on the financing. I'm a happy shareholder. Yeah. I don't mind the dilution as long as you get get her done, right? So that, that's yeah. important. And uh, good luck this summer, of course, as well. So looking forward to seeing Thank some you very much. coming out and uh, looking forward to some more surprises. So thanks for that. And to everybody else, thanks for tuning in. This was SF Live episode 249. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter. Hit that like button because it will tremendously help with the uh, the algorithm here on YouTube. So if you are an investor or interested in the story and hit that like button, more like-minded investors will see the video and uh, we'll, we'll be able to crank up those views. So it's much appreciated. Make sure to follow us for more and to leave a comment and leave a like. Thanks so much and uh, we'll be back with more.